0: Pastoral Counseling, verses 1 through 10, John chapter 10. Philip Keller, in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, and I'll I'll be referencing that book throughout, uh, discusses some of the problems that are unique to sheep. His overall thrust of that one part is that sheep are absolutely, utterly helpless, He says, among all the creatures of the world, sheep seem to have gotten the short end of the stick, and I'd say legs as well. From all accounts, they are of very, very limited intelligence. When it comes to finding food, they are remarkably uncreative. As creatures of habit, they will follow paths through desolate wilderness, even though closer and more excellent forage is at hand. They are, this, one, this one really made me laugh. Sheep are given to not just wandering, they are given to listless wandering, which is, it, there's no point, there's, it's just aimlessly <laughs> there's, or inertly. I don't know how you inertly wander. Um, but there's wandering, and then there are there is listless wandering. There are even accounts of them walking into open fire. That's an instant barbecue. Sheep shepherds confirm that they are both at the same time uh, very, very timid and very, very stubborn. So they could be from one second to the next. You know, they're sticking their tongues out at you. They're not going to do it. Uh, they're, they are frightened by the most ridiculous things, and at other times, you just can't move them an inch. Sheep are absolutely defenseless. So I, they, they can't really do They can't even run when you look at their legs like that, right? So they, can, they have that ball of fur. It doesn't really protect them. Maybe they can bite. Maybe their smell uh, can help them. But they're pretty defenseless. When it comes to animal care, sheep require the most work. Dr. Bob Smith once said that sheep are the prime evidence against the theory of evolution because they just wouldn't make it. So it's impossible for evolution because just look at sheep and it tells you that God created them. Why all this introduction on sheep? Well, guess what, folks? That's what God calls us, right? Right? Is one of the, the biggest imageries that is, imagery that is used in reference to God's people sheep. So, what can we see? After knowing all this, you and I need to be cared for, don't we? We need to be looked after, we need to be fed, we need to be protected. We need to be known. Folks, there's only one individual that can do that. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one and only true shepherd of our souls. Nobody else in this world is qualified to lead us and to guide us through this life and into eternal pastor. I think I lost my mic there for a second. Testing. There you go. All right. No one is the only person who can do it. Here in the passage today, that's what Jesus is going to be saying. Uh, And it's in comparison, really, with the thieves and the robbers. It's in contrast, I should say, in contrast with the, the thieves and the robbers. Uh, And he offers proofs as to the fact that he is our one and only true shepherd. The goal here of this passage really for all of us, and I'm I'm really glad to be in John chapter 10, it's encouragement. It's to remind you that Jesus Christ is going to care for your soul. That Jesus Christ is the only person qualified and capable of watching us and guiding us through this life. Three proofs that He offer that we're going to be looking at today. Uh, the first proof that Jesus is the true shepherd is His entrance into the fold. So if you're following and you have the, the uh, outline, I changed it. I actually changed it this morning uh, because I just wanted to combine two Aspects of this. So, it's verses 1 through 3a, the first part of 3. So, follow along in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 3a. "'Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, uh, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But uh, to him the doorkeeper opens.' For nearly 30 years, there's a guy named Mark Landis. Uh, He's an art forger. Uh, As a matter of fact, that's Mona Lisa that actually is what he forged. Uh, He's made the headlines for duping dozens of museums into accepting uh, his fakes into their collections. Uh, He admits that he has a mischievous streak. Uh, when contacting museums he actually dresses up like a Jesuit priest uh, That way they would more readily accept this man um, and he has an, an encyclopedic knowledge of art history and art details and all of those things um, he, his recreations in the style of old masters are absolutely astonishing, but so are the tools that he uses. Do you know what he uses? Magic markers, pens, and Walmart frames. More than 45 museums could not tell the difference between Landis's copies and the original works. So he goes around and he tells people, and he's going to tell them, I'm going to donate. He's not, he can't get arrested because he never sells the works, but these people then put the, put the artwork and people go and they're looking like, yeah, that's, that's beautiful, that's and the guy's like, yeah, that's from so-and-so-and-so, and they're absolutely wrong. It's actually a forgery and absolutely incorrect. He, the museum uh, guys admit, he goes, he knows right where to hit us because he hits us in art and money. Uh, So they think that they are going to get prestige and all of this stuff by buying this guy's artwork. But it's kind of funny. It makes you kind of question things that you're looking at, don't you? Um, And it lets us realize that a lot of times people are going to say the right things and they are going to look the right way. They are going to act a certain way, but they are actually sneaking into our lives. They are deceiving us. Who is Jesus contrasting himself with here? the Pharisees. These are the religious shepherds, supposedly, over Israel. They look the part, don't they? They know all the information, don't they? They say the right things, don't they? But what is their intention? Their intention is to actually fleece the sheep and take advantage of the sheep. Many, many, many times, and it even happens today, we have to be very, very, very careful because there are individuals out there that do not enter into God's fold the proper way. Jesus is distinguishing himself from these individuals and saying that he, in in reality, is the only legitimate shepherd over the sheep. Those guys were supposed to be taking care of God's flock, and actually they are doing the opposite. And Jesus is most likely referencing or alluding to Ezekiel chapter 34. Listen to what Ezekiel, what it says in Ezekiel chapter 34, 4. And compare this with the passage that we just read about the blind man. You have not strengthened the weak or done what? Healed the sick. What did they do to the blind guy? They were upset with the fact that he was healed. And then they got they started interrogating him or bound up the injured you have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost what did they do with the blind guy they actually kicked him out they kicked him out of the synagogue because he would not deny jesus christ you have ruled them harshly and brutally And then he says again in 3411, for this is what the Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. God says, I'm going to do it. And then he says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will be their shepherd. That is the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ enters into the fold the proper way. He is the shepherd that God has assigned. There is absolutely nobody else who can do that job. That is what he is saying here. He said, I am the shepherd. I'm the one who enters in the, prophet way, the proper way. He's fulfilled all the prophecies. He's been validated by his miracles. And he's been validated by John the Baptist, and he's been validated by the voice of God as well. Think about this. This is all about. So sheep were were kept in a in a in a corral, community corral, um, and this would probably be mixed with other sheep. And we're going to talk more about that. And if you look at the guys who are trying to go in the other way, right? That means they're bad. But we don't always recognize that, do we? I mean, Jesus is pointing out the obvious. The people who are coming in over the wall, what's their intention? Not good, right? If it, has it, I, I robbed a house when I was young, I, when I was not a Christian. And I, I did not go in the, the proper way. I think we climbed through windows or anything like that. Why? Because my intention was to steal. Uh, that's exactly what these guys are after. These guys are out to actually fleece the sheep instead of caring for them. So what do we see behind the intention of shepherd? We see that his his intention is to actually be a shepherd. That's Jesus' goal for your life. His goal is to care for you. He's taken this task upon himself. He wants to protect you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to feed you. He wants to shepherd you. He wants, you to, he wants to lead you to green pastures. And it's serious to think when we realize what's at stake here. It's your souls. It's your entire person. And sheep can't shepherd themselves. There's either having Jesus as our shepherd over our souls and our lives. Or us taking care of ourselves and walking into open flames. Or having these guys. He does so willingly. And those who follow suit. Uh, Because there are a lot of guys today. So what we see here is that that he he enters in through the proper way. And there are people who, who are given this job today that haven't entered in the proper way. Or their intention is not the intention of a shepherd. And the guys who are over your souls here in this church, so all all under-shepherds, right, ultimately, are to reflect the chief shepherd and to reflect the true shepherd. They do so willingly. They do so with the intention of caring for your souls. My job up here and the elder's job is not to point to myself, My job is to point you to Jesus Christ and to let you know that he is the only one. Because we're flawed. We're going to disappoint you. We're going to make mistakes. Hopefully not a ton. But our ultimate goal is to point to him. To do so willingly. To bring you into a deeper relationship with him. To not lord it over you, but to care for you in the way that he did. He's not only validated through the fact that he enters in through the right way, but the second aspect of this is that he's recognized by the doorkeeper. So he enters through the proper way, and he is recognized and let in uh, by the doorkeeper. I, I got a, uh, a new iPhone. People have new iPhones. Anyone have the 12, 13s? Okay, some, some people are like, I had a 7. So I go to, and people laugh. That's what the guy at the store did. He laughed. And I, because I said, am I due for an upgrade? And he laughed. And he said, yeah, you have a seven. That's like 18 years ago or however long ago. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll get the upgrade. So they, I didn't want the big one to launch, you know, a rocket from my, I don't want to, I'm not working for NASA because I didn't get the big one. That thing is like a, a laptop in your pocket. Uh, if you have that, I'm sorry not to make fun. It's Okay. So I got the mini, the little baby, right, the iPhone 12 mini. And I noticed one thing I didn't like about it is they took away that, that thumbprint thing, right? You know, because they all have our fingerprints now. So now they need our faces. So we're just, I figured if they have my, I didn't want to do it because I'm like getting freaked out by the fact that they're going to have my face. But I was like, they have my face already. I'm on Facebook, hence the name, right? So <laughs> I mean, it. It just doesn't make sense. So I'm like, I got tired of hitting in the button. So it can I open up to your face, right? And it does that. It, you can look at it from like over here and it's like, pfft, and I'm like, and I gave it to Sarah and she couldn't open it up. Why? Because she's not me. So the same principle goes here. There is only, there is only one person. So you got to remember what, what he's saying here. It's the face of Jesus. It is the human face of Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd. Because it's the Son of God who takes on flesh. And it's the only face that God, and I believe God is the gatekeeper here to His flock, it's, He's the only face He opens the door to. Nobody else. Nobody else. If we, we get anything from this passage, it is the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. doesn't open the door. The door remains closed to everybody else except for Jesus. He recognizes him. He lets him in. He is the legitimate shepherd. The Father is the one who opens the door. It verifies his relationship to the Father and that God has sent him on this particular mission. The second proof that we see here is his relationship to the sheep verses 3b through 6 so follow along and his sheep and the sheep hear his voice he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he puts forth all his own he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice a stranger they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them. They didn't understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. In his book, Building a Church of Small Groups, Bill Donahue relays a story from his time as a part-time youth pastor when attending seminary. He was visiting a farm... Uh, where two of his students lived, and their father decided to teach him a lesson. He asked if Bill could help call in the sheep. So Bill said, I enthusiastically agreed. Sheep calling was just like preaching. He said, we stood at the pasture fence watching 25 sheep graze. And the father says, go ahead, call them in. And he, said, he turns around and, and he, he says, what, what do I say to them? And the guy said, well, I just say, hey, sheep, come on in. Bill said, no sweat. I thought a city kid with a bad back and a hay fever could do this. He said, I began speaking in a normal speaking voice, but the father interrupted. And he said, you're 75 yards away downwind and they have their backs to you. Yell a little bit. Use your diaphragm like they teach you in preaching class. So, he said, I took a deep breath and put every inch of stomach muscle into a yell that revival preachers around the world would envy. And I said, hey, sheep, come on in. The blessed creatures didn't move an inch. Not even one even turned an ear. Tom smiled sarcastically. He said, did they teach you anything in that seminary that you go to? Have you ever read, My sheep hear my voice? I know them, and they follow me. Tom, raising his voice slightly, said, Hey, sheep, come on in. All 25 sheep turned and ambled towards them. It's a good lesson for me. I guess the louder I yell doesn't mean you're hearing anything, right? So (laughs) I keep the tone down. I know I get excited sometimes. Um, But also, it's real important. What does it speak to? It speaks to relationship, doesn't it? And I've known I've known this for years. Uh, I can be a, a fumbling fool up here, but because you know me, uh, you know my heart, and hopefully I know you. Uh, what I say, you still kind of hear, right? And that's because of the relationship uh, that hopefully uh, that we have, and and it's a it's a true relationship between sheep and the shepherd. Uh, he, his legitimacy is seen in that they know who He is. They hear His voice. This is the initial call of salvation, folks. Uh, Jesus issues this call, but I want us to see how personal this call is. He calls them out by name. I, I looked it up online, and, and there, was, there are still sheep names out there that actually you can look up if you're trying to name your sheep. Uh, here's a few of them that I found that were really interesting that I really, really like, of course, because of puns. So Charlie Sheep. Um, how about Hillary Fluff? Lambeau or Babra. How about Ronald Reerum, <laughs> Brittany Shears, one of my favorite, Benjamin Mutton, Barack Obama. And my absolute favorite is Abra- Abraham Lincoln. Uh, so if you're looking for, for sheep names, there's a few for you. Uh, they did name their sheep. Uh, not all the time, uh, so some, some didn't. What is Jesus trying to say here? It's a personal, intimate relationship. Scott, Patrick, Joan, Bryce, Dan, Meg, Michael. He calls you by name. He knows you. Isn't it different when someone uses your name? It expresses a comfort. It expresses a deep knowledge of who you are. He calls you by name. And that means that he knows you as a sheep. He knows what type of sheep he's dealing with. He knows if you're a more timid sheep. He knows if you're a sheep that's given to wandering. He knows if you're a smelly sheep. He knows if you're a sheep that needs a special diet. He knows you. And he leads you accordingly. According to the person you are. I mean, people think religion is just static and stagnant and sterile, and it is absolutely nothing like that. It's a personal, individual relationship with the God of the universe, the one who in Psalm 139 knows you so intimately. All your ins and outs. And he calls you to himself as an individual. And the response is a response of faith. They hear his voice. And they respond by faith. And they come forth. If this is a communal pen, which I, I think it's a communal pen, where the 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 porter or the watchman is over it, he opens the door. The shepherd then comes in, but the sheep are mixed with a bunch of other sheep, so you're like, oh well, there's a problem. Well, how do they how do they separate? How does he know it? Well, he speaks, and they actually know his voice. Um, and actually, what what Jesus says here at the end that a stranger they actually flee from that happens because they hear this strange voice and they get. Timid, just like our timid sheep, and they'll probably you know get all nervous and fall over, you know, pass out or whatever. Uh, But they they actually know his voice, and 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 the sheep then come out, and then you're like, oh, okay, that's those are the sheep, the ones who do what, who follow him. Jesus is saying a very similar thing that he was saying earlier about who his true disciples are. Who are his true disciples? The one who not just hear the word but they remain in the word they stay in the word you're a true sheep if you continue to follow Jesus that's it you're going to follow him now it doesn't mean you're going to wander once you're not going to wander once in a while we know that's going to happen uh, but you continue to follow the shepherd and then they follow and they continue to follow it's in the present tense That word for follow is in the present tense. You know what that means? It's a continuous action. You do it every day. You hear his voice and you listen to him. It's obedience. And and this separates the true sheep from the false sheep. Uh, The true sheep are the ones who do what? Who heed his voice. Who follow him. Who go after him. And they do so willingly. Sheep actually become dependent upon the voice of the shepherd. They become dependent upon it, listening for it. I love this part after it. And then it says he does what? He, 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 He goes ahead of them. He's not driving them from behind. He's not yelling at them. He's not using a hot iron to get them moving, is he? He's going ahead of them and leading them out and they are following him willingly he goes ahead of them it does it does two things it says two things to us number 1 there's a purpose for us isn't there we're not those listless wandering sheep he's heading us in a direction he gives us purpose Number two, he knows what is coming our way, doesn't he? He sees all the dangers. He sees the terrain that he's going to take us through, and he's guiding us through. That doesn't mean we're not going to go through it, but he's leading us through that. The sheep cannot hear the, uh, or do not listen to the voice of a stranger. Uh, ultimately, God's spirit. Uh, Helps us discern uh, because there are strangers out there that are going to be trying to get our attention. Uh, Ultimately, God's sheep continue to follow and hear His voice. And I I think we got to think too, you know, as you and I go out into this world, we're not going to argue people into the kingdom. We're not. We're we're not going to. We're not going to persuade people through our wonderful intellect. We're not going to be able to. Uh, Convince people apart from those who are being what? Called by God. And we can get discouraged because, you know, I was just saying the other day, I'm like thinking, you know, why isn't anyone getting saved? You know, you, you preach the gospel to people, you preach the gospel over and over and over again to the same people. Well, guess what? They don't hear His voice. Not His sheep. So, we have to understand that our goal is to go out and point people to the true shepherd, but understand those who Those who are his, they're going to follow him. He's going to make sure of that. He's going to take care of that. It's funny because at the end of this, what the the Pharisees say, they, they just, what? They don't understand. It proves his point, doesn't it? He's saying, my sheep hear my voice and they say, I don't know what you're saying. You know why? You're not a sheep. Uh, and the same goes for this world. We're going to speak to people and they're going to be like, what on earth are you talking about? And then they're just going to go back and they're going to go shepherd themselves and they're going to go wander away. That's okay. Because those that are His, those that hear His voice are going to come to Him. Our job is to go out and call them to Him and to say, hey, because as, as we're doing that, He's doing that. And His calls a lot, lot louder and Uh, more received than than ours would be. So the third and final proof that we uh, see here for uh, Jesus being the true shepherd is his provision for the sheep, verses 7 through 10. I lost my place. Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door if anyone enters through me. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. He switches the metaphor but still keeps with the, the same theme here. Um, and it says two things. Him being the door says, says two things. It says security or protection and life and pasture. Mary Thomas was a, a single mom of nine children living in Chicago's rough west side neighborhood. Seven of Mary's nine kids were boys, and they were constantly stretching the boundaries of their tired mother's authority and patience. One day, 1966, Mary opened her front door to find 25 street thugs, on her stoop. The men, members of the notorious Vice Vice Lord's Gang, had come to recruit her seven sons. Imagine that. I mean, I grew up in suburbia, Pennsylvania. We, you know, the only gangs out there were not gangs at all. So, Mary, hearing their intentions, dropped her gaze and said, okay, hold on one second. She closed the door. When the door opened again, the first thing that the vice-lord saw was the barrel of a loaded shotgun. Mary said to them, I don't recommend this unless, I guess, if you're in Chicago. Um, Mary said to them, there's only one gang around here. That's the Thomas Gang. It is with that same fortitude and courage and protection that Mary Thomas ushered nine of her gang members to their high school graduation. You might have heard of the youngest son, pro basketball player, Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas. Mary Thomas. I like that. What's it show? It shows that the, the length that she went to to protect those under her charge, her care, right? 25 gang members. And here this woman says, You ain't touching. My boys, if she does that for her sons, how much more will Christ protect us from our enemies? That's exactly what He is saying here. The door goes in two directions, so it's a closed door uh, and it's an open door. It's a closed door to the thieves and the robbers. So this is a, a what my, a pen might have looked like—a rock wall. And uh, a guy tells a story, uh, G. Campbell Morgan, about traveling in the Middle East. And he came across a shepherd and his sheep. And the man showed him the fold where the sheep would go at night, consisted of of four rock walls and then a a way in. Uh, So George said, well, okay, well, where's the door? Uh, And the Middle Eastern man actually replied, he said, I am the door. Uh, the sheep go in to the fold at night and then he lies down so that they can't get out and nobody can get in. Very, very true. We, there's pictures of, of individuals doing that. Whether or not, And but it's also, it could be a literal door. There's other pens that had a a literal door. Either way, Jesus is trying to tell us something. Look, I am the one and only guardian over your souls. Nobody is getting by me. And whatever comes through that door, folks, it's got to be cleared by him first. And sometimes he's going to allow things through that door. But he knows it. He knows it, and He knows that what He allows is for His sheep's own good and His glory. He's watching over you, and this watchman never slumbers or sleeps. Isn't that what it says in Psalm 121? He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's protecting you, and he's protecting you eternally. I remember when a day it was a baby. Sorry, a day. I know. You can talk to me later about using as illustration. And you guys all can relate to this, parents, when you first bring home your your children. What did you catch yourself doing at night? Going into their room and just staring at that crib and just being like, "You breathing? All right, I see it." Staring, you know, looking around, trying to feel the breath, wondering. And I would, I would, I would stand over her crib and watch her, and just pray for her, protect her as best as I could. No, and I, and sometimes I'd sing a little song, yeah. Believe it or not, that's why she she turned out this way. (laughs) I am a very flawed and sinful human being. And if I love and protect my daughter and my wife and my family in that way, how much more will the shepherd of your souls protect you? Right? How much more? Absolutely Nothing can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing at all. And though trials may come our way, in the context that Paul is saying, he said we're like sheep to the slaughter. Though trials may come our way, though suffering may come our way, no one can ever snatch you from his hand. He offers us safety and security that no shepherd can ever offer. But not only that, He offers us a provision. It's a provision of life. And notice what He does here. He he, he, he says something here that's really, really important. He says, whoever, anyone or anyone, if anyone enters through me, he, He opens it up, doesn't He? That's the gospel. Whoever enters through me, Jesus Christ, is the door. There is no other way to eternal pasture. That's it. That's what he's saying. And the pasture that he provides is eternal, and it begins here and now, and it is ultimately satisfying. I've come to give them life and give it in abundance. It means more than enough. But so often, we look at the pastures of this world, don't we? And we're like, oh, that looks so good over there. I'm going to take a little nibble, doesn't satisfy. And then we just move on to the next one, doesn't satisfy. And then we move on to the next one, doesn't satisfy. And there we are vulnerable in this world. And pretty soon, guess what? That thief and robber is going to come and take you out. The only satisfaction for our souls and lives, folks, and I'm here to tell you right now, is in the person of Jesus Christ. You won't find it anywhere else. It'll only leave you empty. I'm watching the show, All Creatures Great and Small. Anyone seen that? I love that show. It's my new favorite show. It's just, I cry. We, I cry every episode, I think. But there's, there's so many cute animals. I, there, and it's just, and there's tense moments. And you're like, oh, man. I, it gets a little graphic at times. I learn things about animals I care not to learn about animals. Or I've seen things in animals that I care not to see. They're not real animals, though, probably, because then Peter would be all over that. But anyway, the, uh, the show, every time Sarah and I watch it together, they, they show pictures of the hills the green hills and the rock walls and the animals and all of a sudden i'm like i want to move right there i want to go there that's where i want to be now i know that in this context there was a lot of barren land and then they had to find the pastures why is he using this imagery if you don't feel this imagery in in your heart and affection as in like wow this is what i want you're dead because this is supposed to provoke And evoke a response in you. It's true green spiritual pasture that he offers you. It's not not a TV show, it's a reality. And you're only going to find it by going through the person of Jesus Christ. And it's a pasture that's going to last for eternity. Look throughout the Bible of those individuals that looked at the pastures of this world and sought after them. Look at the examples of what happens. I think of Lot, right? He lifted up his eyes and he's like, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah look pretty good. I think I'm gonna go camp around these guys or those cities right there. And he moved, right? He starts moving and he looks at it through this worldly lens and this, this attractive lens. Pleasing to the eyes and he goes and he moves towards that. What happened? He's got to be rescued. How about his wife? His wife does what? Turns around and then that's it. She's gone. Why? Because that's where her heart was. Tell you what happens to the pastors of this world. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. They get destroyed. The thief here, I believe, that he is referring to is, is Satan who, who the Pharisees are children of. And they are leading these individuals to death and destruction. Whether we shepherd our souls ourselves, or whether we allow other individuals into our lives, if you don't have Christ as your shepherd, that is the end result. Tell you the truth. The grass on Jesus' side of the fence is much greener. And it never dies. And neither will you. Jesus is the one and only true shepherd. The question is, is he your shepherd? Father, thank you for. Your love and compassion and care for us. And Lord, Lord, you know how much we are like those sheep. Lord, we pray that we continue to give our lives each and every day to your care and guidance. Lord, keep us safe and protect us from the dangers of this world. Lord, help us to guide others, to the one and only true shepherd. And Lord, help us to be encouraged by this truth. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.